I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to Staying Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening, and welcome to Moon Knight Week here on Kirby's Kids, as we are greatly anticipating the premiere of the Marvel Disney Plus Moon Knight series coming to that streaming channel here on March 30th. And joining me today in celebration here in this first part of Moon Knight is Doc. Doc, how are you? Great, Angus. How are you doing today? I am feeling the glow, feeling those moonbeams coming down on us as we are delving into Moon Knight, the Mark Spector character. And he is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by Marvel and was created by Doug Mensch and artist Don Perlin. The character first appeared in Werewolf by Night. Issue number 32 in August of 1975. This Disney Plus series will again be premiering on March 30th, starring Oscar Isaac in the lead role. Whether you loved him as Poe Dameron, or whether you loved him as Duke Leto Atreides over in Dune, or one of his earlier roles, here he is. And man, he looks more than up to the part. So in our first part here, we'll be delving into the origins and evolution of the Moon Knight character. We'll be covering Werewolf by Night, issue number 32. Again, that's his first appearance. Then, the actual Moon Knight series, which premiered in 1980. That issue number one, that first issue origins. And then, we're going to catapult into the 2000s to the Moon Knight 2006 series. That would be volume five, and we read issues one through six. Then in part two, we're going to delve into what I have labeled here modern Moon Knight. So that's in the 2010s here when this character started getting used more and more and more and more. And there started to be more of a popularity groundswell happening within the comic book reading community. We will be reviewing Moon Knight series from 2014, and that is volume seven. We read issues one through six there. And then we'll top it off with Avengers 2020 series. And this is issues 33 through 37 that have a Moon Knight-centric theme and story arc. But first, Doc, let's get into our creators of this iconic now character who is really being elevated from a third tier to a first tier character and being given an entire Disney Plus series the Moon Knight creators, writer Doug Mensch. Doug Mensch is a notable comic book writer, and he really is turning more into a luminary with age when you look at his body of work. He did extensive work on Batman and was the creator of Moon Knight, Deathlock, Bane, Black Mask, Electric Warrior, Six from Sirius, and another title that we will be reading in March called Weird World, which focused in on Tyndall, a lost elf on a dangerous quest to the heart of evil and beyond. And this was really Marvel's foray into an original fantasy series to basically capitalize off of the popularity of Lord of the Rings in the 1970s and specifically coincide with the launching of the Ralph Bashke animated film. So that's 
really, really something we're looking forward to because it's fairly unique as far as comic book history is concerned over the Marvel side of the house. Now, he's also known for his critically acclaimed eight-year run on Master of Kung Fu. So, uh, Mensch's career really was in full gear in the 1970s and carrying him in through the 80s. Now, artist Don Perlin studied under the guidance of Bern Hogarth, and he began his career in the 1950s, drawing for companies like Timely, St. John, Hellman, and Harvey. He also briefly assisted Will Eisner on The Spirit in 1953. Now, Perlin was drafted into the Army, and this was most likely around the Korean conflict. They were still invoking the draft here in the United States, and he couldn't get a job afterwards due to the arrival of Dr. Wortham in the Comics Code. Timely folded, and Perlin went to do technical illustrating packaging designing for several years. In the evenings, he would do comics for Charlton, as well as Weird War and other horror titles for DC. His work was noted by Marvel editor Roy Thomas, who assigned him to do Werewolf by Night. Perlin illustrated this title from 1973 to 1976. He then did some fillers until his run on Ghost Rider commenced in 1977. He worked on this title until the early 1980s, while he also inked Sal Buscema's Captain America. He took on the Defenders in 1980, and then this title was discontinued. He went on to the Transformers in 1986, and during this period, he also became art director at Marvel. He eventually left Marvel, joined Jim Shooter's Valiant Comics, where he worked on, among others, Solar, the Man of Adam and Shadow Man, Magnus Robot Fighter, Bloodshot, and Time Walker until the mid-1990s. Perlin then went into semi-retirement after that. So he's had quite a long and distinguished career also. So these are two pretty accomplished artists and writer who developed this Moon Knight character. So I think it's uh, I think it's funny how like, you know, recently it seems like this year the podcast that we've been doing, you know, Douglas Mo is it Monch? Mensch? Mensch. Oh, so I should know that. I had a German. <laughs> but uh, Douglas Mensch has come up, you know, quite a few times when Morbius, Werewolf by Night, and when we talked about some of these horror comics that we did a little bit earlier in the year, I think it's pretty interesting that his name keeps popping up. And I've really been into, I probably read him a lot growing up and I never knew it. And now that it's like coming up so much, I realize how much I've enjoyed his his horror comics and his horror theme comics. I think he does a great job with them. I agree with you, Doc. And the fantastical is where he really began begins to excel because if you will be reading along with us in March with the Weird World title, which that is covering our comic book character, the month Tyndall, for that Appendix N month, which basically for folks, real quick, we'll take a little little sidestep here. Appendix N first appeared in the Dungeon Master's Guide for the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that Gary Gygax authored, and they were sources of inspiration for you to be able to add content to your game. Well, within there, there are several luminary artists along the fantasy and science fiction realms. Amongst them are J.R.R. Tolkien, and we will be doing Tolkien's The Hobbit. Well, since Weird World was purposefully developed to capitalize in on the popularity, which really started swelling in the 60s and then into the 70s, of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, boom, there you go. And Doug Mensch was the lead writer who developed that entire world and setting, which is really amazing, Doc, when then you add on, like you said, the horror titles in there, and then the horror-flavored superheroes that we've seen in Morbius, and of course, huh, there are definitely horror elements here in Moon Knight. All right, Doc, so let's head into our origins and evolution 
of the character of Moon Knight. And we first start with Werewolf by Night, issue number 32. And this is his first appearance. And just to set this up, in the middle of a seedy alley, the werewolf battles a mysterious costume figure known as Moon Knight. Armed with silver weapons, the Moon Knight attacks the werewolf as a crowd begins to draw. He slings three crescent-shaped throwing darts into werewolf's chest, punches him with solid silver cestus, and the werewolf howls in pain, and a portion of his mind reflects upon recent events, and that really kicks off this story. Doc, what was your impressions of this introductory story? The fact that he appears in Werewolf by Night? The purpose behind the character? What did you think? How, how was this for an introduction? I thought it was a pretty interesting introduction. I think it definitely, Doug Mensch gave definitely enough mysteriousness to Moon Knight, because he just kind of appears. We get no backstory. He's just kind of like this mercenary that appears, and it looks like he's just hunting down poor old Jack Russell when he's in his werewolf form. And I liked that. I mean, you can see it was a very, I mean, obviously it was his first appearance, so you can see that his, his like, what he would finally look like wasn't set yet, and he wasn't quite as intimidating looking as he does in later times. I thought it was a pretty cool introduction. I think it was a good, I like that it was trying to jump into its own series, that he was kind of this mysterious character, you know, because the story continues in issue 33 as well, and it kind of becomes like this anti-hero by the end of issue 33, and that's probably where, if you're reading this for the very first time, back in the day, you were probably like, oh, I think Marvel has plans for Moon Knight, because they could have just made him a baddie, but they didn't. They kind of made him this good guy that kind of comes around and sees the people that hired him to get the werewolf. They're not the they're not a very nice group of people and they're obviously going to use him for nefarious reasons so I thought it was a pretty cool little two story arc that introduced him and kind of showed he has a little bit of depth to him he had a great deal of depth to him Doc and that's an excellent point I really enjoyed the fact that this character was set up with a purpose meaning he's a mercenary coming after Jack so okay he's a hired gun that doesn't necessarily mean that he is inherently evil or intended to be a villain long term he's just doing a job. And frankly, if you were not familiar with who Jack Russell was or is, and all you knew was this werewolf that was just on the prowl, as a common citizen, you just go, oh my gosh, we got to get this creature out of here. I think they really shot the gap, if you will, or walked the fine line there as far as introduction of the character. The reveal that he is a mercenary, has a military background, I thought that was interesting. The presence of this body this group having hired him to bring in Jack Russell is interesting. It's a further introduction of a group that is operating in the shadows and adding a little more intrigue as it relates to the Marvel Universe. So I thought that was very cool and a nice little twist on things. So all in all, solid intro. It is. It is. And the, the committee definitely will play. This is a, The committee is something I can completely see ending up in the TV show. I could see that. It's just, a, it's just a built-in kind of like the corporation or you know whatever you want to call it. And this committee of really powerful men rule the city and possibly more. It makes a nice kind of overarching they're pulling the strings from behind the scenes and th and it shows up just as we see in volume five the committee shows back up in a big way I have a big part to play with kind of his resurgence in volume five so I, I really like the committee and i definitely wanted to know more just about the committee as much as moon knight character himself in, in these introductory stories yeah it definitely peppered the interests to say oh wow we be seeing more of this character so and indeed we would to the point where he would get 
his own series. And that would premiere in 1980 with Moon Knight issue number one. And here we have mercenary Raul Bushman and his lieutenant, Mark Spector. Hmm. That same Mark Spector as Moon Knight lead a raid on a rebel camp in the Sudan. Jean-Paul Frenchy Duchamp arrives in a helicopter and tells Spectre that he has looked through Bushman's secret papers. The information confirms their resolve to quit working for Bushman. Frenchy also has their new orders to attack the village of Salima. Spectre points out that there is no rebel activity there. Bushman has learned that an archaeologist has found a tomb there, so they are going to loot it. That night, the mercenaries ride into Salima. Dr. Peter Alvarun, the archaeologist, knows of Bushman and realizes why he's there. Taking up a dagger found in the tomb, he strides directly towards Bushman's back. Spectre warns Bushman and disarms Alorain. He watches Bushman kill Alorain with his steel teeth. Before he dies, Alorain tells Spectre where to find his daughter. While Bushman admires the dagger, Spectre goes after Alorain's daughter, Marlene. Okay, Doc. Now we really start to get a rich history background. The real origins here of this Moon Knight character. Frenchie comes back, which is interesting. We did see him in the first appearance as he was flying that helicopter. And now we had no idea about Marlene. And now we get the doc. And we have this whole Egyptian vibe going. This is very interesting. Not only from still keying off of his mercenary background, but at the same time, beginning to weave in those mystical elements, that lore, if you will, that Egyptian lore and, and gods and the tombs and the sphinx and the whole deal there, and really beginning to put the pieces together on who in the world is this Moon Knight character? I thought the first issue of the first volume was great. It was it was definitely kind of, what do you call it, like an info dump in, in certain ways, but they were kind of like any origin story where you're just getting a lot of background information and you just know none of it is, all of it's there for a reason. You know, we, they're not going to introduce Marlene if she's just going to be a throwaway character. She's going to have something to do with his origin. I thought it was really well done because it stays because I think overall, when you get like we did, when you read a good smattering of all the various incarnations of Moon Knight, you kind of see that they play a lot of different writers play a little bit fast and loose with some with his background. They change some minor things when it suits them and everything a little bit more, I think, than other characters that we've seen. But for this one, we see, you know, we get this definite background and this essential background stays the same as far as his origins of how he becomes Moon Knight and Bushman obviously becomes one of his, you know, main adversaries throughout the series and we get some really cool arcs with Bushman in it especially in, in the fifth volume that we both love it's I thought it was a good one I thought it was a really good solid origin story it definitely made me want to go on and read past even the five issues that we were reading in volume one for sure so doc when we were looking here at this origin story I particularly looking at the Bushman character immediately thought of the villain Jaws from the James Bond series particularly with that grill of metal uh, that he had. And this story, I feel, did a great job in addressing the mercenary background of the Mark Spector character. I agree with you that it was a bit of an info dump, particularly the end. 
Because at the end, all of a sudden we get, oh, and he's three personalities. He's this millionaire. He's this cab driver guy who goes out and gets information on, on people. And then he's, you know, the Moon Knight character. And unless I'm missing a personality in there, because there's been many that ultimately end up getting introduced in the, in the series. But I'm going, okay, well, where are we going with this character? I, I, I thought he was a mercenary. I, I, so I guess the mercenary, the mercenary is one character, sorry. And then, and then there's mercenary, the cab driver, and the millionaire. And then you've got... Moon Knight, okay, that he can transition into. So uh, I was like, okay, we got the mercenary, check. I get that, all right? Th that's very strong. You established that there in the introduction during the Werewolf by Night series. Great, awesome. Uh, there was no context for this mention of the cab driver, uh, unless it appeared in like one-off series or some of these anthology series leading up to this. Uh, nor the fact that, oh, wait a second, he, he he's a millionaire? So what? So now he's Bruce Wayne? So now we're starting to tread into Batman territory. And I'm going, I, I think, frankly, they didn't know at this point what they had on their hands. I think they were trying to make this character appeal to a multiple interest readership. Try to lure in some of the Batman readers. Try to lure in some of the folks who enjoyed the introduction of the character initially. I'm a bit confused by the ending, but everything leading up to the ending, that final panel, just reeked of, okay, here's a mercenary guy who's now been touched by a god, had powers bestowed onto him, and now he's going forth on a vengeful crusade to right wrongs, but doing it in a mercenary vein. So from that standpoint, it was a very strong story. But it just got muddled in that last panel. It's really funny you mentioned that because I thought the same exact thing when I was reading it. I really, really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, they just throw all this information. It's like, okay, they're obviously, I mean, they, it seems like they could have done it a little bit, a little bit smoother. Like maybe in the second issue, they bring in this kind of stuff. But it's like, oh, by the way, he's also a cab driver and he's a millionaire. So, um, I mean, there's, to me, there's, there's no doubt that. I think Marvel developed, and I could be completely wrong, but it just feels like Marvel developed Moon Knight to be Marvel's Batman because they see they they saw Batman was a very successful character, one of DC's best characters, and um, you know the, 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 the similarities are striking by making him a millionaire to be able to fund his Moon Knight activities, and maybe I'm thinking they probably added these other like he wants to become a cab driver because that's the way he's going to gather intelligence on the streets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess you could do that, but I mean, if you could, if you could just, you know, want to become a uh, another character, I would go instead of a millionaire, I'll be a billionaire too. Uh, why not? You know, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. So yeah, that part didn't really make a whole lot of sense, and it kind of killed the vibe of the of the whole issue in the beginning. But it didn't ruin it for me by any means whatsoever. I thought it was a really solid issue. It was just a little bit of writing troubles, like trying to get some stuff in, and it almost could be like maybe it was an editorial decision. That's like, hey, you know, right now he sounds like Batman. We got to do something different here and that's where they kind of introduce these other characters uh, or his other personas you know as we see as we move on not just through volume one but through upcoming volumes you know we see that these right now it just seems like moon knight is or mark specter is deciding you know we see it in the first couple issues oh i'm i'm gonna go cab out and see if i can get some information on what's going down here and then other times he's gonna be he's you know he takes the character of the millionaire where he's going to go out and raise funds for whatever it is but it doesn't you know it never seems seems like this is they they try to create it in the future that that he actually has like a DID dissociative identity disorder and I don't get that feeling at all from this first volume it seems like these changes are very conscious he knows who he is and he's just using these other masks 
to hide what he's going and gathering info and stuff like that. So it was, I thought it was interesting. It's not, you know, it's not perfect. I thought it was a really good first issue to really get you into Moon Knight and his mindset and just show you where he possibly might be going. Agree, Doc. And when we're looking at not only this first appearance in Werewolf by Night, but then also this first issue of Moon Knight, I think we have very similar artistic sensibilities. Both of these are definite children of the Bronze Age. So the art style, I think, was very similar between those two books. Would you agree? Very good, high quality art. I mean, great stuff. Detail was great. It's what you would expect out of a Bronze Age comic. I mean, we, we have not entered into the phase now of the prominent art styles of a John Byrne, of a George Perez, of a Frank Miller being brought to bear. They, they are just warming up at this point. And it wouldn't be until their influence would spread that you would then see massive wave of artistic style changes happen. I think this is indicative of the Kirby influence, the Carmine Infantino influence from the Silver Age affecting the Bronze Age artists and improving upon that palette set, you know, artistically speaking, of what you would, as a reader, come to expect from a quality standpoint in those books. There was an amazing amount of consistency, Doc, I have to say, amongst the big two in the 70s as far as art is concerned, unless it was a one-off or a, eh, we're just going to try out a title here with some unknowns and see if we can get some traction. If, if something actually had the support of a Marvel or a DC at the time, there was a quality standard that was being adhered to that was pretty awesome if you were a comic book reader of the day. So with that, you've got nice quality art in there. I wouldn't say you know, blew my doors off at all. It was, it was nice. It was good. I think it effectively conveyed what the story about this mercenary was all about and a solid origin story all in all. All right, Doc. So let's vault forward into a new millennium and hit Moon Knight from 2006, issues one through six, the bottom story arc. And this comes from Moon Knight volume five. And this is a quote from Mark Spector. It's never about what you think it is. Still, someone has to do this. Still, someone has to do the fun stuff. Still, the blade must praise its lord. Still, people want to know, how can I live like this? The blood I've spilled. The blood yet to be spilled. Still, the answer is the same. How could I live any other way? Wow. Talk about a heck of a quote that really encapsulates this opening story arc to this series. I'm going to let you have the first word on this, or else you won't get a word in edgewise for most likely the next half hour. So, Doc, take it away. Yeah, this is from Volume 5, and uh, this is by far, um, Angus and I, we absolutely, and we read these separately, and we both were like telling each other, like, did you read Volume 5 yet? Yeah. What'd you think? And then we both just exploded. We, volume 5 was our, it was the most fun I've had with Moon Knight. By, by far. We were supposed to read the first six issues of just this one arc called The Bottom. I ended up reading all 30 issues of the whole run in uh, for volume five, and it is just fantastic. The artwork is tremendous. It is, to kind of steal what Angus said, and I agree with them wholeheartedly, it feels like you're watching almost like a motion picture. The art is so awesome and detailed. The story and the writing in this is just fantastic. What happens in the, the uh, in this first arc called The Bottom is we see Mark Spector. He is, he is a broken man physically, 
emotionally, everything. He's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have the use of his legs anymore. He's basically a drug addict um, on pain kill on pain pills, and he is he lost a uh, Kanshu. His god just kind of forsake him and left him, kind of broken. And then this first arc is about him coming back and how he comes back, and it's it's pretty spectacular writing. It is. It makes you stop. It's, I know we say this a lot, but this is the kind, it's the artwork that it makes you stop because when you look at it, you kind of forget about what you were reading and you just find yourself turning pages and not reading anymore. And then you have to go back and reread and everything. But the artwork is just that spectacular. I've never seen Moon Knight when he's in the full garb. I've never seen him look more intimidating and scary. And he is just, he's brutal. This is a Moon Knight, the whole volume five, it's gory. It's really super violent for a comic book even, especially in this day in the 2006 era. And it's it's just fantastic some we get a lot of old guys coming back in like the committee is is back to wreak vengeance on uh, mark specter we even have an old nemesis of his from the first volume who is the midnight man his son comes back for vengeance against moon knight and it's just it's just fantastic all the way around and you will go well beyond the first six story arc because the uh the writing is just fantastic and the art complements it just beautifully it is a really great this is the one this is the moon i want to see on tv in the series which i know we'll get a little bit of that but uh we'll talk about that a little bit later but um i, th I think uh you will really like volume five if, if you get into this character from volume one you'll be like oh this is a great transformation of the character doc you encapsulated it beautifully i'll just add a couple other elements to it and we've been hypercritical at times of digital art this is one of those examples of an incredible use of digital art and specifically in effect they use the out-of-focus fuzz effect to such amazing, effective degree in this comic to illustrate the movement of things, to demonstrate someone coming in and out of consciousness, to cue you in as a reader when the mystical or fantastical is happening from a panel to another panel. When you are going in panel-by-panel panel mode on a tablet with this series, it plays like frames from a movie and is absolutely exquisite shot for shot. Just so well executed. Elements in here, you definitely have the mercenary elements because we go back into Mark Spector's backstory as a mercenary and pull from that past to make it relevant for where he is that broken man at the beginning of this series you also have as doc said old friends coming back in there frenchie's back but frenchie's back but different which is great i love the twist they had on him there you have marlene in there you have the flashbacks to his relationship being very good with her and being the love of his life and even doc the character who we met back in the origin story, the one who always seems to have flies flying around him, that guy enters back into this too. So truly, if you were a fan of the original Moon Knight series, there is a lot of fan service that is paid in this one. But oh my word, this is high adventure. There's massive horror elements in it. There's some psychological twists that are thrown in and a really effective use of Khonshu, his god, and his relationship with his god and what motivates Moon Knight to do what he does, that vengeful 
character lusting for vengeance within that character, which is core in order to tap into those supernatural powers that he has been granted by that Egyptian god. What's interesting is like with with that kind of development of like you just mentioned the Khonshu character, we also get that breakaway from, okay... Moon Knight is not just the uh, the poor man's Batman. Because Kanchu has a whole different idea of what vengeance is. You know, we know the Batman quote, I am vengeance. And Batman has a definite line in the sand that he does not cross as far as, you know, killing and everything. And Kanchu, he he's a bloodthirsty god. He wants blood. He wants everyone to know that Moon Knight is his avatar, basically. And that he wants it to be public. And he wants it to be bloody. And he wants, he wants, uh, he wants sacrifice in his name. And this is where we get the psychology with Mark Spector because Mark Spector wants to be a hero. He doesn't want to be just a mindless killer. That's the life he used to live as a, as a mercenary. And he doesn't want to do that anymore. So we get that battle inside of his head about, you know, how far, because he knows, well, Kanchu has forsaken me once. He could do it again. So he has to keep, he's walking this really fine line of keeping Kanchu happy, but at the same time, not losing his own humanity as, as this character of vengeance. And I thought that was just so beautifully written over the course of the 30 issues in volume five. Really well captured. Extremely well captured, and Doc, I feel that this was Marvel's exclamation point on the character, declaring, hey, this is not Batman. And I don't think you could be any more explicit than this series in saying that. So from that standpoint, it served this character extremely well, and would ultimately be the springboard with which we would head into the 2010s and the modern Moon Knight character. So Doc, closing out this origins and evolution of Moon Knight, how would you encapsulate the experience here of what we read in Werewolf by Night 32, Moon Knight, that first origin issue, and then this series from Moon Knight and that bottom arc in the strengths and weaknesses of this character and where might we see this go that's great questions i think uh i think from werewolf by night until you get to the like the the volume five of moon knight we see a really huge transformation of the character the heart of the character stays the same in all the volumes but there's very very starking evolutions of his character you know we go through like we said in that first um volume i never really got the sense that mark specter was crazy and he had these other personalities that he kind of slipped in and out of. I never got that impression. Actually, I never got that impression up until Volume 5 as well. I always thought that he knows exactly who Mark Spector is. He knows himself. And he knows that he was using these other characters. And as you see in um, Volume 5 too, they kind of drop the cab driver. They drop some of the other characters as well. It's in later volumes. I think even after Volume 7, it's like 8 and 9, where they really go into... And I know one of the volumes, he actually wakes up in an institution. And everything that he's been doing has been a hallucination so but that aside you know what we get from volumes one to five is just a really solid i think marvel really saw what they had with this character it it may have started off being their their answer to batman but it evolved into something completely different and i think it's awesome i think you can completely enjoy both characters equally as much and because they all have their own you know moon knight has his devices and his gadgets as well he's not quite the like the detective as you get with batman but that's i think part of his charm as, as we see in upcoming ones you know, people ask him, well, you know, you're dressed, you're supposed to be at nighttime and you're, 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 you're fighting bad guys. Why do you wear white? And because he just looks at them straight in the eye and he goes, because I want them to see me coming, <laughs> which is, you know, just haunting to think about, you know, he doesn't care. You know, his vengeance is swift. 
and it is definitely brutal. I think the evolution of the character has been fantastic up through volume five. This is the epitome of it. Where he goes after this, I think this incarnation of Moon Knight, I think we saw it. I saw, I think we see the pinnacle of it with volume five. And from what we see, like with volumes six, seven, eight, is like I said, we see a little bit more where they go into the psycho psychological mindset of uh, Mark Spector, and we explore that a little bit more. But I, if they didn't write anything after volume five, I would have been completely content because I thought it was just a fantastic run. And Doc, that is a fantastic encapsulation and brilliant tease for when we head into part two of our celebration of Moon Knight here for Moon Knight Week on Kirby's Kids, where we'll cover modern Moon Knight and Moon Knight 2014 and Avengers 2020. So we hope you return later on this week and join us for those reviews. I can't tell the difference between life and dreams. Yeah. Oh my god, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voice is in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. Embrace the chaos.